Travels with John Smith. Chapter 35, Year 5, 2015 to 2016. Winter in Wuhan. We are sitting in a large dance room filled with fairy lights and candles, listening to live unplugged music. The room is packed to capacity with about a hundred students and teachers. We chose this room because of its beautiful acoustics, something that has enabled us to produce an evening without microphones and sound equipment that often go wrong at this school. The room has a great acoustic as long as the people in it are quiet and listen to the music. My biggest fear when we were organizing this was the possibility that everyone would be talking and the performers would not be heard. But it has gone wonderfully. We have teachers serving tea, so they are circulating the room, and John is the MC, so he's put down the ground rules out there. Most are respecting the vibe of the tea house evening. Some of the performers wrote their own songs, some are playing piano, some on guitar, some in small groups, some alone. I play a song I wrote with another teacher singing harmony and John on harmonica, and we'll close the show singing and playing Purple Rain with Sky singing harmony and playing the solo part on the guitar. Sky is a very talented grade 12 boy who plays piano, guitar, sings, and writes his own songs. He's applied to go to Berkeley College of Music next year, and I think he has a good chance of getting in, as he is already an excellent musician. His math teacher told me she was exasperated with him as she gave them a test the other day, and instead of answering the questions on the test, he wrote a song and handed it in. He went for his first interview with them to Guangzhou yesterday, and I was frightened he might not make it back. This could have been tricky, since he is not only playing with me, but also two other girls, and has a song himself. Avil is also singing in the show. I spoke about her before. She was in uh, John's Peter Pan last year, playing Lady Hookhook and was my student when she was in grade 9. She is now in grade 12. I have worked with her in several different music performances, and she's a very talented singer. A new teacher named Megan and I set up this evening as the first of many. She said she had enjoyed the singer-songwriter live music evenings in her school in Nova Scotia, and I thought about all the singer-songwriter evenings I have attended over the years and the ones I organized when I lived in London. We talked about how we could do it and were on the same page about how it should go. We wanted to make it intimate and different from anything that had been done at the school, hence the tea lights, tablecloths, fairy lights, and delicious teas in porcelain cups. We put our own money into it to set it up, and we charged a minimal fee to get in to get the money back. And also we want the kids to learn the value of paying to see good quality music that is special. Once we are paid back, the plan is to give money to a charity in China. I made the posters and Megan made the tickets. 
We held auditions and worked with the kids who went through and organized volunteers to help set up. The room went from being an empty room used for dance rehearsals to a full-blown cafe. Megan and I cleaned all day Sunday and decorated before the volunteers got there, and I ran around the day of the concert thinking of a million other details, dealing with school politics and borrowing things and selling tickets, and finally we are here. This is the first time I've felt relaxed in a while. The music sounds good. The people who are here are a great audience and look like they're really enjoying it. It feels fantastic. Every year there is a Christmas concert at the school. Most of the kids and Chinese teachers and Chinese admin that take part in the show do not sing Christmas songs, but it's a good excuse for an extravaganza. So out come the ball gowns and stilettos and sequin suits, the Chinese fans and flowing sleeves on traditional outfits, and the teenage dance groups. There is an uh, all-girl group that do a kind of Beyonce-like bumping and grinding. They're very good, but it's also quite sexy, so the foreign teachers squirm in their seats, embarrassed to be witness to it. I know some of the girls individually, and they're very sweet, probably unaware of it. They probably see them in videos and just copy what they see. It is, however, quite good dancing, just uncomfortable for some of the new staff who blush and don't know which way to to look. The counselors always put on a good show and dance, and I think they are required to take part, i.e. they don't have a choice. Most of the songs are either Chinese or popular pop songs. Then there's usually a rock song performed by the more rebel students, complete with guitar solos and plenty of feedback. There's always a problem with the microphones, as the sound booth was built in a strange place. It is not only off to the side of the stage, they cannot see the stage or, in fact, hear what's going on very well. So they depend on someone in the audience using a walkie-talkie to say, turn it up or down or whatever. It's like Russian roulette, whether you will be the one whose mic stops working or is too loud or has too much reverb or completely flat sounding, etc., The Canadian teachers always wait until the last minute to decide that we really should take part in the show, as we do have a choice, but in our case, taking part is the respectful thing to do. We are, of course, bound by a lifetime of tradition and have to do a Christmas song, so after a few feeble suggestions, I was nominated to sing the lead on Silent Night, while two teachers who have beautiful high voices sing Night of Silence as a kind of harmony over during the second and third verse of Silent Night. John is once again bad Santa. We are worried that the kids who don't really have the Santa education that we do now think this is how Santa acts and looks. I have spoken about my friend Gabby before. She has a larger-than-life character with a huge heart and lots of energy. She had a restaurant in Canada and has opened a cafe called Bittersweet here in China with a Chinese partner. 
They have lots of Western food and have created a lovely intimate place, which has a small stage where Jerry and I and any other jamming, loving musician can play. She invited us and a few other trusted people down to the restaurant before they opened to try the food and give her feedback. This weekend, checking out Bittersweet was the premise for staying at a hotel nearby so we could walk there with the guitar and go back to the hotel easily without having to find a taxi. Yay, another staycation. It is Thursday, December 25th. We are sitting with our neighbors, Steve and Heather, and their two small children, eating our favorite street food dishes under the long tin roof that covers the outdoor market at Wushong Liangfan. We toyed with the idea of going to eat turkey with all the trimmings at Aloha, the American restaurant, but decided it was too far. We then thought the Grace Garden would be doing a special Christmas dinner, but I checked the price and it was about 150 Canadian dollars each, which is pretty expensive for China. We thought we might as well go somewhere where we like the food, it's fast and easy, and we can save our money for the shopping we will do in Hong Kong and Shanghai. We are bundled up as it is very cold. The babies are both white and are getting a lot of attention from the Chinese people around us. Mackenzie, who is three months old, is dressed in a onesie and a hat and a jacket with a blanket around her. She has a clever, pretty little face and is looking around with interest. The Chinese people are telling Heather she should dress her more warmly. In the winter, Chinese children always look like little fat Buddhas with several thick layers, and they are usually too hot. Reggie is about two and a half, has blue eyes and blonde hair, and is very cute, and is focused on a Curious George movie playing on an iPad. Our dinner of Gong Bao Jidin, which is Kung Pao chicken, and Tong Siliji, sweet and sour deep-fried chicken, and rice is delicious. We will go for Heather's home-baked cookies, cake, and tea in Heather and Steve's flat, which is above ours, later. Tomorrow, we have to get up at 4.30 a.m. to catch a flight to Hong Kong. We are surrounded by tall buildings. There are familiar Western shops all around us. It is clean. There are wonderful washrooms everywhere. The transportation is efficient and fast. Everything is organized. We can ask for instructions and directions. We are in Hong Kong. We stop in HMV for a real hit of Western culture and buy some Star Wars products, including some lightsaber chopsticks for John. And after perusing the vinyl section, we buy some cheese and other good quality picnic-like food at a huge Mark and Spencer and head towards the roof of the IFC, where someone tells us we can see the light show that takes place every night across f- the harbor on the Kowloon side. We arrive at the fourth floor to a large outdoor garden with tables overlooking the harbor and place ourselves at a table, table where we can see the river and wait for the light show to start. There is a large junk 
with red sails that sails around the harbor, and at night it is beautiful to see it move past the reflection of the lights from the buildings on the Kowloon side. After about an hour and a half, the show starts. It's a building that has lights on it, and they change into different figures like dancers or birds, telling a story accompanied by music. It's pretty good, but only lasts for about ten minutes. Today is a John day. He wanted to go up on Victoria Peak, so we take the peak train, forgetting how long it takes in the lineups that come first. It is similar to a Disneyland experience. The line up doesn't look too bad, even though it snakes around until you turn the corner and realize there is more, and then another corner, etc. To make matters worse, there's another line alongside it of people who bought Madame Tussauds tickets, and they get to travel on a fast track and are put in front of the people in the line waiting for the train. So each time you think your line is advancing forward, a large group of fast trackers are placed in front, and you are at a standstill. After a couple of hours, we finally get to the top and take in the gorgeous view. But we are quite hungry now. There are a few restaurants, and the one that looks the most inviting is Baba's Shrimp House. We have a 40-minute wait wait to get in, but we get our fill of prawns and garlic butter and garlic bread and ice cream, and I definitely eat too much, so feel quite ill. We have returned tickets, but looking at the lineup for the train to go down, I remember why we took the bus down the mountain the first time we came here years ago. We decide to take a taxi, and it only takes about 15 minutes to get down the mountain. We are sitting in the front seat of, of the top deck of a tram. It feels like we are gliding through the streets, and when we, we see another tram coming towards us on the other side of the street, it feels like we are in another time. They look so tall and thin and elegant. People wave at us from a tram which is right beside us going the other way, and our tram comes up to a stop behind another tram, which looks very crowded, and the people in the back seat turn and wave, then open the window and shout something about how lucky we are to be alone. We turn and look behind us and notice we are the only ones on the top floor, like our own private car. We arrived yesterday morning, and after some shopping at the Apple Store and a delicious lunch in an Asian fusion restaurant, we saw the new Star Wars movie and ate proper salted popcorn. In China, the popcorn is always full of sugar and has a kind of burnt caramel smell that makes me feel sick. After the movie, we walked across the walkways that serve as above-traffic sidewalks, to the escalator that takes you up the mountain. I've mentioned it before. It's my favorite thing in Hong Kong. We rode up the mountain, getting off on different streets like you would in a department store, and later walked down the mountain, stopping at a gelato place, and people watched along the way. It was truly a patty day. When you can't be with your family on Christmas Day, I recommend this as a good alternative even though it doesn't really feel like Christmas. 
once again, as we have done every year since we came to China, except last year when we did it in Harbin. We are standing near the shores of the Yangtze River, watching hundreds of mostly red paper lanterns float up into the sky. The flame inside propels each light higher as the people below watch until their lantern and the wishes they sent up with it disappear from sight. We are once again staying at the lovely Marco Polo Hotel along with a few teachers from the school. The Wuhan Jazz and Blues Club has changed its name to JZ and we almost didn't find it. The only musician left from the group that I jammed with in the past is the guitar player. We see him when we come in and he says, Long time no see. In Chinese, Hanjo Bujian. I felt a little uncomfortable as the last time I saw him, I said, See you soon. We should write something together. But that was two years ago. John and I sit at the bar and drink fresh watermelon juice. The place is packed with Chinese people, but there is a large white woman with a pink wig and a furry vest gliding through the crowd, kissing people and acting very camp. She comes up to us, says hello, and we chat for a bit. We find out that she is from Colombia, and so is the bass player in the band. She is the singer, and I can hear from her speaking voice that she will be good. She is also quite a character and likes a drink. I tell her that I've sung here a couple of times, so when she gets back on stage, she tries to get me up there with her on each song, but I don't really know the songs, so I decline. She has a great stage presence and is a really good singer, so I'm happy just to listen, but when the band starts to play Give Me One Reason to Stay Here and she motions for me to come up, I jump on the stage. We jam the song and it's lots of fun. We bring in the new year for the club, she in English and me in Chinese, counting backwards, slowly for me. John and I decide it's time to send the lantern in, up into the sky as we have an early start tomorrow. We will take a fast train from Hankou Station to Shanghai. We wave as we head out the door, and she actually stops singing in the middle of the song and says, You are going? into the microphone, and all eyes turn towards us. We blow kisses and leave. We are walking in a crowd of thousands of people. Last year we read there were people trampled to death on New Year's Eve on this same stretch of road. This is New Year's Day, but there are the same number of people, the same kind of vulnerability, as we inch forward in the middle of the crowd. We would like to catch a glimpse of the river, the famous Pearl Tower, and the futuristic skyline of Shanghai, and the many beautiful Art Deco buildings on the other side. The feeling that if something went wrong, you would have nowhere to go stays with us. So I can't wait to get away from the main section of the Bund, where most of the people are. We are back on the train on our way back to Wuhan. I just sat in one of our reserved seats by the window and jumped up as it was soaking wet. 
Now my behind feels wet. My mind jumps to the fact that all Chinese babies have the trousers that are split so they can squat and do their business in the street, but I have often wondered what happens when they are traveling. I have seen babies in their mother's or grandmother's arms on the buses of Wuhan, so if a child is sitting in a seat on a train... I asked the female steward if she can do something like change our seats, but she says the train is full, so she'll try her best, but we'll bring some garbage bags in the meantime to sit on. John says someone could have spilled their water, but I'm not taking any chances. We have no choice but to sit on the garbage bags. John is a gentleman and gives his seat to me, folding his coat on the top of the bags, and sits there for the entire trip. We had a great time in Shanghai, and as usual, some of the best moments have to do with food. Yesterday we had a lovely breakfast in a kind of hole in the wall we discovered the day before. Shanghai is famous for their dumplings, and this place serves them in different ways. The ones in the soup are particularly delicious, like a wonton soup. And they also have some that are steamed and have a kind of peanut sauce on top of them. So we had both kinds two days in a row for breakfast. Yesterday we went to the fake market early, and John and I did some bartering. We are pretty good at, at it now. Also, when they find out we live in China and speak some Chinese, they don't hit us with the tourist price. And even though they say things like, Oh, lady, you are killing me. I'm sure they get a good price. In the afternoon, we then went to the modern part of Shanghai under the Pearl Tower, where we took in the lights and the extremely tall and magnificent architecture of the Jingmao Tower and the World Financial Center. It is Sunday, and I am thinking about how lucky I am to be working in the library this year. Listening to the teachers talking about marking and entering marks and finishing everything reminds me of the stress of dealing with deadlines and needing energy to keep the kids' attention every day. I'm still very busy with organizing and keeping the physical space of the library clean and interesting by making new displays and posters, etc., but I actually get to talk to the kids, and I enjoy what I'm doing so much that the days seem to go by quickly. John is preparing for the next semester as he has to teach one calculus class as well as three cooking classes, so is busy trying to remember how to do calculus himself. He signed up to an American football site where he can watch all the American football he wants in the early mornings, so he still gets up early and does his exercises while he watches it. It's too cold for me to do any exercises at all. There's no central heating, as I have mentioned before. So I have a small space heater beside the bed that John turns on while my bath is running, which he also <laughs> starts. I know, I'm very lucky. I can't really get warm until I get out of the bath. By, the t by that time, John has left for school, and before he leaves, he makes a porridge and some tea for me. I know, I am grateful. The power actually went off right before we went to bed on Friday night and wasn't back on yet, 
when we woke up, so we got dressed quickly and walked to the Grace Hotel, 40-minute walk, to get warm and have a Western breakfast. It was on by the time we got back and no explanation was offered, but as we walked we saw there were several blocks in the vicinity that were out, so we guess it's what they do to save power when people start to use too much of it. Like in the summer, when it gets too hot and everyone has their air conditioners on. Of course, it might just be that everyone using it has blown the system. Tomorrow we will have a rehearsal for the next Tea House Music Night Um, which is on the 25th of January, and I'm very excited. We held the auditions a couple weeks ago and had a good turnout. Some of the kids who were in the last ones, including my two faves, Avil and Skye, but also a couple of interesting new acts. There is an a cappella group who will do a song with a percussion technique involving moving cups around, which is very cool. There's also a boy who plays the arhu, which is a Chinese guitar-like instrument with a long neck but only two strings and a small round head at the bottom of it. It is played with a bow and sounds kind of like a violin. He played two songs where he sounded like he was playing Chinese blues, and I almost cried. It was so beautiful. We want him to play in the show, and I would also love to play or sing with him. In two weeks, we will be on our way back to Australia, where we'll meet up with niece Delaney in Tasmania, and who knows what else. To be continued. Mm-hmm. 